This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. Surely we want food banks to help those who use them to find ways to become self-sufficient. Hand up, not a hand out, as the old saying goes. So all the disgraceful media coverage of Mr Anderson's comments does is terrify other MPs into silence around such an important issue. But the great thing about Lee Anderson is he's never terrified into silence. And I'm delighted to say he joins me live now from Ashfield. Lee Anderson, can we just talk about the media coverage first of, of what you had to say? Because that Daily Mirror front page, I mean, it was just an out and out lie. You never said the poor can't cook. It's unbelievable, Dan, and thanks for having me on tonight. It's it's absolutely outrageous, but I expect nothing less uh, from this True. paper. And it's True. funny. It's funny that last month they were running a similar headline, a more positive headline with a positive spin from one of these celebrity cooks or whatever they are. That was openly bragging they could cook a meal for eleven pence a day, a nutritious, wholesome meal for eleven pence a day. And it makes you wonder if it's a celebrity cook. If it is a footballer or a pop star or somebody, you know, on the left that's coming up with ideas like teaching people to cook or teaching people to budget, all of a sudden then it's a great idea. They're, the, they're, they're people's champions, if you like. When a Tory MP does it, he's a nasty old Tory who's, who's saying that poor people can't cook. Hey, I bet there are some people, some poor people that can't cook, but there's a lot of rich people can't cook as well. And that's my whole point. Indeed. And Lee... Come on, you're about as far from a Tory, uh, eaten, silver spoon in your mouth type MP you can possibly get. Of course, you were a Labour councillor, you were a single dad and you struggled, didn't you, for a period uh, to feed your family? So you know about that. Yeah, I did struggle. Yeah, you know, I was one of those. I struggled. I got rid of my car. I had to walk everywhere. You know, I, you know, I've, I've been that single parent, like I said. And and for me to say this in 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 the chamber, what I alluded to is, I, I think it's common sense. And uh, the the, the left wing, the mainstream media have, 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 have just run a mock with it, really. But you know, when when I make a, a statement about food bank use, I, I know it's going to be. You know, people. Some people may take it the wrong way, but it needs saying. And I think it's better coming from somebody like me, who's got um, a, a background that's you know where I have struggled a little bit and, and and had a real life, rather than some of my colleagues who have been to Eton. If it comes from somebody like me, and then that's why I've had hundreds and hundreds of messages today by email and by text supporting my comments. Yeah. Well, indeed, because we can see. I mean, we just played them. They've been taken completely out of context. It is a disgrace. Yeah. But, Lee, can you just explain yeah. exactly what you think food banks should be doing? Well, there should be a safety net, Dan. That's what they should be for. There shouldn't be a way of life. It shouldn't be where a family thinks or, or anybody thinks on a Friday it's, it's, it's shopping day. Let's go to the local, local food bank. It should be for families in genuine need, especially now we've got a cost of living crisis. There are people struggling, we know that. And it shouldn't be just a place where you go, you know, fill, fill your car up or fill your trolley full of food. There should be a, a full holistic approach, I think, in this day and age. The people should be asked, you know, why do you need this food bank? Yes, obviously, they've not got enough money, but can we help? Is, is, is there debts? Is there problems? Have you got rent arrears? Is, you know, is there something going on at home? Have you lost your job? You know, my, my background is citizen, citizen advice, and I did all that training for years, and I know that when people come in 
and, and they're going through a desperate time. They want more than just a few quid in the back pocket. They need proper help, and that's what we're trying to do. And you know what? If we can teach people to cook, we can teach people to shop, we can te- teach people to budget properly, you know, and pay the bills and stuff like that, then surely, Dan, that's got to be a good thing. I absolutely agree. So, look, thank you for speaking out, Lee Anderson. Thank you for having the balls to do it, despite all of that media firestorm which came your way. And we'll speak very soon. That is Lee Anderson, the MP for Ashfield. Brendan O'Neill is tonight's outsider now. After months of political and liberal media establishment frothing over Partygate only for Korma Karma to catch up on Keir, is it time for everyone to put aside their faux outrage and draw a line in the sand? Now, as you know, I have publicly railed against the nonsensical, inhumane and economy-destroying lockdown rules, which at times I proudly refuse to follow. And to me, this fast proves just how ridiculous those rules were. Well, Brendan O'Neill is calling for a lockdown amnesty in his latest Spectator column, writing, let's pay back all of the fines that were issued, forgive all of the rule breakers and move on. Let us recognise as a society that the lockdown was the strangest social experiment any of us is ever likely to live through and that most of us did our best. But every now and then we bent the rules. We had to. Here, here, Brendan, I agree with that. Uh, do, do you think Starmer being exposed is actually the silver bullet that maybe we needed to put the whole lockdown saga and all of those fines behind us? It could be. I mean, I hope it will be. It, I have to say I'm enjoying the Starmer controversy only because he's been hoist by his own petard. Yep. I mean, he was going hell for leather for Boris Johnson over Partygate. He was really pontificating about that in the House of Commons and elsewhere. So it's actually quite fun to see him going through the same process now. So it is enjoyable. But at the same time, I think that this focus on the rule breakers and Boris and Keir Starmer are a apparently both rule breakers. It's making it seem as if the problem was those who broke the rules rather than the rules themselves. And what I want us to have is a discussion about the fact that the lockdown was psychotic and everyone I know bent the rules in some form or another in order just to make sure that they could have a normal-ish life during that period. So we have to, I think, uh, have an amnesty for people who broke the rules rather than going after them like this. No, I I completely agree, Brendan. And clearly, I find the focus on both scandals frustrating in some ways. But I guess I also found it equally frustrating when all of the uh, liberal media and the vast majority of uh, Labour politicians wanted to move on the moment that Starmer was of court, because, of course, it was Starmer who was always demanding harder and stronger and more draconian lockdowns. And I think as a result, it's very telling that he thought he was following the rules, Brendan, maybe, when he just clearly wasn't. Oh, no, the hypocrisy is just off the scale. I mean, it really is quite extraordinary. And, you know, the exact same people who were going crazy about Partygate a few weeks ago are now saying about Beergate, oh, you know, can't we move on? Aren't there more important things in the world? Don't you know there's a war in Ukraine? I mean, the the hypocrisy in plain sight is really quite staggering. So I completely agree with that. And as you say, Starmer was making the call for a tougher lockdown all 
all the time. And so were many people in the media as well, including those people who are currently defending Starmer. I think the, the people get the impression that it was one rule for them and another rule for us. And that is incredibly frustrating. But the broader picture, I think, is that the two years that we've just lived through were incredibly odd. None of us has ever seen anything like this and hopefully never will again. The fact that students were fined £10,000 for having house parties and people were punished for going out more than once a day or they were filmed by the cops while they were walking their dogs, all of these things, you and I and others at the time said it was crazy. I think it's time as a society that we recognise it was crazy and lay off and pay back those people who were fined in those circumstances. I know, but Brendan, one of my big frustrations is that there has been no reckoning over the Mm -hmm. maddening rules. And I understand why people are so angry that Boris Johnson broke the rules. And I also understand why people are even more angry that Keir Starmer broke the rules. But there is no reckoning. There is no wider political discussion about the lunacy of the rules. And I mean, you say that we're never going to live through something like that. It was a botched social experiment. Yeah, I hope we will never live through anything like that again. I hope because we I worry we will, you see, now. The fact that we followed, the, the fact that we followed China was absolutely yeah. deranged. You know, we, we should have done something like Sweden did. We should have got, done, gone our own way, had a light touch uh, 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 list of uh, guidelines and advice and, and some rules, perhaps. But we definitely shouldn't have followed the Chinese model of locking down society because that was bad for freedom, bad for the economy and bad for people's health. So you're right. We need a reckoning with the whole thing. And, and that's another thing that worries me about uh, beer gate and party gate. The longer we obsess over the fact that Angela Rayner had a curry and Boris Johnson had a five minute birthday party, the longer that that will distract us from the kind of inquiry we need to have about whether this was the right thing to do, how damaging it was, and how we can make sure that it never happens again. So let's focus on the craziness of the rules rather than the fact that some people, including the people who made the rules, broke them every now and then. No, indeed. And I was heartened by the fact that the terms of the lockdown inquiry were updated today, or sorry, the COVID inquiry, the official COVID inquiry were updated today to include mental health and the impact on children. But I think it does need to go further. Brendan O'Neill, thank you so much. Thanks, Dan. Brendan O'Neill and Zuby on the way, but now Big Witty style time with Anne Whittacombe. And you would have thought by now Sadiq Khan had seen enough of things going up in smoke. After all, Lawless London has been on a downward trajectory since he became the most useless mayor the city had seen, I think, ever. Despite failing to clean up his growing mess here in Britain, Mayor Khan continued his frankly bizarre trip of the US today with more surreal posturing around West Coast cannabis farms. Sadiq said he wanted to bring a wealth of knowledge about the weed industry back to the UK. The question begs, what's the bloody point when he has no authority to change the law here anyway? Has our runaway mayor been on the wacky backy himself? Well, here he is wandering dazed through a crop of marijuana before being asked whether he's ever smoked the plant. And you've said you've consumed uh, cannabis before. Uh, did you, would, you, would you again? No, I was in Amsterdam many, many moons ago. 
um, I've not taken it since. Uh, no, listen, I've not, I've not bought anything from the shop here or, you know, taking cannabis here in Los Angeles. Oh, isn't he cool? With crime spiralling out of control in London, just why is Khan hopping around California trying to legalise cannabis while his own city is awash with drug dealing? Well, Home Secretary Priti Patel hit the nail on the head with this tweet today. She said Sadiq Khan's time would be better spent focusing on knife and drug crime in London. The mayor has no powers to legalise drugs. They ruin communities, tear apart families and destroy lives. Anne Whittacombe, I know you are very passionate about this issue can you make any sense of what this official trip is about? Well, absolutely none. And, you know, given the priorities which I would have thought he had, I mean, knife crime, teenagers dying uh, as a result of violent crime. I mean, I cannot believe uh, that he's done this, but he has. Uh, and let's not be fooled by this. It's all very well talking about legalising cannabis. If you legalise cannabis and you legalise the soft drugs, but you leave the hard drugs illegal, then the first thing that happens is all the profits from the drug dealers and the drugs barons particularly will be pushed into peddling hard drugs. And that, I think, is why a study in the University of Amsterdam a few years ago uh, found that when soft drug use goes up, so does hard drug use. Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is we all know that a certain percentage of people who begin off on cannabis end up on uh, the very serious hard drugs. And if you legalise cannabis, then more people will try it because there's no barrier of illegality. That's uh, uh, commonly accepted on both sides of the argument. More people will try it. So the same percentage, but therefore involving more people, will go through the gateway to hard drugs. So this is uh, an appalling proposition. And Pretty Patel's right. It does tear families apart. It does ruin lives. And this country's had its head in the sand over this. We've never had a proper war on drugs. Now, if you look at what Giuliani did in New York when he had total zero tolerance of drugs um, and cleaned up the city massively, that is what Sadiq Khan should be doing. He should be taking a leaf out of Giuliani's book. (laughs) Yeah, rather than smoking one. I mean, look, Anne, I couldn't agree more. I I very much believe marijuana is a gateway drug. I've seen it in my own life. I have seen lives ruined by marijuana. So this idea that it's completely harmless because Sadiq Khan smokes it at his posh little parties with the liberal elite in London is just ludicrous. But Anne, can you understand why, as a Londoner, I'm having to pay for this trip? given that Khan has absolutely no influence over the drug legalisation policy and Labour, his party, is against the thing anyway. Well, you shouldn't have to pay for it. Um, and all I can say is that any... Oh, we've just body, lost uh, ...who would vote capacity in the future um, is just acting in a zombie-like fashion because if you actually look at what he's doing, it's no good for Londoners at all um, and quite pointless anyway, as Pretty Patel... Uh, said. So, no, I don't see why you should have to pay for it. Uh, maybe you should propose a surcharge. Do you think he thinks he's cool doing this, And Do you think he thinks it gives him some sort of street cred? 
I can't even begin to work out the motivation for that sort of nonsense. I really can't. I mean, he's supposed to be a responsible man. Um, he's not a, a, a young hippie, for heaven's sake. Um, he must know uh, the damage that drugs can do. Uh, so I don't know why he's doing this, but it doesn't make him look cool. It makes him look extremely foolish. Yeah, I agree. And then look at what's going on in London. I mean, I literally see drug deals going on when I return to my home in East London after the show yes. every night. That's yes. what I want him sorting out. Well, I'll tell you also, you see the drug deals going on uh, and you know what's happening because you can see it happening. But I'll bet you also several times see police cars just going straight past and doing nothing. And until we've got that zero tolerance approach, until the police take on drug dealers as and drug pushers as they did in New York, until they take that on, head on, and deal with it, and don't turn a blind eye to it, um, then I'm afraid it's going to go on, and you're going to go on seeing it. I know. I know. Shame on Sadiq Khan for this complete ludicrous trip, and with a great analysis as ever. Thanks, and We'll speak next week. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. Listener.